He had only one advantage, and that a very dubious one. The commander of the cruiser might guess that he was heading for a rendezvous, but he would not know how close it was, nor how large was the ship that was coming to meet him. If he could keep alive for only twelve hours, he would be safe. The if was a somewhat considerable one. K-15 looked moodily at his charts, wondering if it was worthwhile to burn the rest of his fuel in a final dash, but a dash to where? He would be completely helpless then, and the pursuing ship might still have enough in her tanks to catch him as he flashed outwards into the empty darkness, beyond all hope of rescue, passing his friends as they came sunwards at a relative speed so great that they could do nothing to save him. With some people, the shorter the expectation of life, the more sluggish are the mental processes. They seem hypnotized by the approach of death, so resigned to their fate that they do nothing to avoid it. K-15, on the other hand, found that his mind worked better in such a desperate emergency. It began to work now, as it had seldom done before. Commander Smith, the name will do as well as any other, of the cruiser Doradus was not unduly surprised when K-15 began to decelerate. He had half expected the spy to land on Mars, on the principle that internment was better than annihilation. But when the plotting room brought the news that the little scout ship was heading for Phobos, he felt completely baffled. The inner moon was nothing but a jumble of rocks some twenty kilometers across, and not even the economical Martians had ever found any use for it. K-15 must be pretty desperate if he thought it was going to be of any greater value to him. The tiny scout had almost come to rest when the radar operator lost it against the mass of Phobos. During the braking maneuver, K-15 had squandered most of his lead and the Doradus was now only minutes away, though she was now beginning to decelerate lest she overrun him. The cruiser was scarcely 3,000 kilometers from Phobos when she came to a complete halt. Of K-15's ship there was still no sign. It should be easily visible in the telescopes, but it was probably on the far side of the little moon. It reappeared only a few minutes later, traveling under full thrust on a course directly away from the sun. It was accelerating at almost five gravities, and it had broken its radio silence. An automatic recorder was broadcasting over and over again this interesting message. I have landed on Phobos and am being attacked by a Z-class cruiser. Think I can hold out until you come, but hurry. The message wasn't even in code, and it left Commander Smith a sorely puzzled man. The assumption that K-15 was still aboard the ship and that the whole thing was a ruse was just a little too naive. But it might be a double bluff. The message had obviously been left in plain language so that he would receive it and be duly confused. He could afford neither the time nor the fuel to chase the scout if K-15 really had landed. It was clear that reinforcements were on the way, and the sooner he left the vicinity, the better. The phrase, think I can hold out until you come, might be a piece of sheer impertinence, or it might mean that help was very near indeed. Then, K-15's ship stopped blasting. It had obviously exhausted its fuel and was doing a little better than six kilometers a second away from the sun. K-15 must have landed, for his ship was now speeding helplessly out of the solar system. Commander Smith didn't like the message it was broadcasting and guessed that it was running into the track of an approaching warship at some indefinite distance, but there was nothing to be done about that. The Doradus began to move towards Phobos, anxious to waste no time.
On the face of it, Commander Smith seemed the master of the situation. His ship was armed with a dozen heavy-guided missiles and two turrets of electromagnetic guns. Against him was one man in a spacesuit, trapped on a moon only twenty kilometers across. It was not until Commander Smith had his first good look at Phobos, from a distance of less than a hundred kilometers, that he began to realize that, after all, K-15 might have a few cards up his sleeve. To say that Phobos has a diameter of twenty kilometers, as the astronomy books invariably do, is highly misleading. The word diameter implies a degree of symmetry which Phobos most certainly lacks. Like those other lumps of cosmic slag, the asteroids, it is a shapeless mass of rock floating in space with, of course, no hint of an atmosphere and not much more gravity. It turns on its axis...